2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire
1: professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. Man, has there been a lot of demand for this guy coming back on the show. They miss our Fridays. His name is John Acuff. He's a New York Times bestselling author. And he and his daughters have actually written a book based on the idea of his book, Soundtracks, I'm very excited that L. E. Acuff is here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm concerned where McRae is, but I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> to family drama. So I'm going to leave it right there. But John and his daughters have put together something pretty special in your new playlist, uh, "The Superpower of Mindset." I can't imagine being a teenager writing a book about mindset, but guess what? We're going to talk about it today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. John Acuff and L. E. Acuff to the Rise Together Show. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis, I'm the host of this show where we're gonna hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this, the human experience. Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. Hi guys.
1: Hey, thanks for having us, Dave. Oh, yeah, geez. hello.
2: You guys, <laughs> in your voice, John. Honestly, I'm gonna need you to bring it up just a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, so McCray is at camp but I was going to say you only paid like what you paid only got you one daughter. If you paid full fee, full fee, both daughters, maybe Jenny in the background even, but the, the rise together podcast said we have the fee for one daughter. And you, you only know. have enough
2: to get one of your offspring. Hey, you know what? I'm happy to get any offspring. Maybe
1: point. if you had a little more chomps money coming in, we could get both, <laughs> both kids.
2: We interrupt this uh, podcast to bring you chomplings, the small children. <laughs> uh ellie can i ask you i don't want to get to the hard-hitting stuff first but Mm -hmm. do you remember what age you were when your dad made you instead of calling him dad refer to him as new york times best-selling author (laughs) (laughs) well
3: he always says ellie how hard is it for you to have such a funny dad such a (laughs) successful dad
1: yeah i'm not going to (laughs) apologize for checking in on her heart that's part of my job as a dad (laughs)
2: The thing is, when I make a list of the characteristics I like most about your dad, uh, humility is always right at the top. So I'm glad. I'm glad to see that it's a through line in his own offspring. <laughs> that, is, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That
1: not even not even true. Not even true. We still talk about the day the day Dave Hollis came to our house. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. I don't even recognize that, Dave Hollis, by the way. Beard was a little thicker, and, uh, you know, I had a full breakdown since then. So, you know, everything's fine. It'll change a
1: person. It'll change a person, totally.
2: I actually, I hadn't really thought about it, but there's a chance that coming to your house was a big part of why I tripped and fell the way I did. (laughs)
1: Oh, Oh, how dare you? Coming to my house was how you had a place to land. How dare you?
2: (laughs) I joke I joke I love you I love your wife I love your kids I barely know your kids but I still have love for them. and your uh, living room was in fact a soft landing and you also every single day of my life since I've known you have been a soft landing so I appreciate you all right so you had a book it was called soundtracks we've talked about soundtracks this idea that you as a human have these stories that are playing in your head some are good But oftentimes they're not necessarily the things that are setting you up for success and having an ability to examine them, ask questions of them, uh, a a way for you to get free from them. And uh, it was successful and it was a great read. If you as a listener have not yourself picked up soundtracks, I cannot recommend it more. But what led to a conversation about, hey, why don't we, daughters of Acuff, write a book for people as they're younger uh, in the same kind of vein, thinking about, a new playlist so that you can, uh, as you transition into adulthood, set yourself up for success?
1: Well, the, the big thing was parents started to ask for it we had so many parents that would say, Hey, I read the book. I enjoyed the book. It was helpful. If I could have learned this, if I could have learned how to change my mindset or change the thoughts that are, that are weighing me down when I was 13, 14, 15, it would have changed the whole arc of my life. And that's sometimes what happens. I talk to somebody in their mid thirties or their mid forties, and they have to unlearn a lot of things that aren't true. And so then as a family, we start to talk and say, okay, while teenagers do have a lot of soundtracks they have a lot more challenges than than i had growing up because of social media because of technology what if we could create a version of the book that was specifically for teenagers and i knew i couldn't do it on my own because it would feel like me being like hello fellow youths like i like you use a lot of scooters we had skateboards in my generation like it would be lame and so then i said to ellie and mcrae my two daughters hey what if you guys you know, what if I helped edit it? My voice was a little in the book, um, but it's really your chance to speak to your generation with what you're going through. And that's how the book came about.
2: You know, what's crazy crazy. is my, like the conceit of doing the the fun that I've done with Noah around tea time was the same kind of idea. Like, Hey, if I could condense an adult personal development topic in a way that a three or four or five-year-old might hear it, is there a chance that a seed gets planted at that young age of truth that makes having to unlearn some lie a thing that you don't have to do? I just, I love it so much. So Ellie, can I ask, was this the first time that you found yourself in a position to write? Had you written stuff before? Like how, how, how did you feel about this? uh, The prospect of doing a project inside of the world of writing?
3: Yeah, this was definitely my first writing project and it was really fun because I got to kind of deep dive into my dad's process. I had him, you know, just upstairs in his office to help guide both me and McRae kind of in how how to write the book. A funny thing I always said is that he adds probably 10 times the amount of paragraph breaks that I have ever put in any writing I've done for school. So like, be like paragraph break, keep going, keep going, more breaks.
2: You know, I mean, that's how you get to page count. I, I'm not trying to <laughs> yeah, right. yeah yeah secrets, but... <laughs>
1: People have short attention spans. I blame TikTok. I used to write long paragraphs, but people now are like, I can't make it through a whole paragraph. Give me a break so I feel break, successful. Break, break. Yeah.
2: So, uh, you know, me as a writer for the first time writing in the shadow of a literary giant in my ex-wife ended up creating something of pressure. Uh is there anything for you in knowing that yeah, your dad's written a ton of books? He's had a lot of success. He's known, among other things, as a writer. Did stepping into the role of writing, I, I don't want to say in his shadow, but just kind of knowing that he's got a pedigree and, and is known for being a writer, was it intimidating or was it exciting? How did it feel?
3: Um, I wouldn't say it was intimidating because it wasn't like I had to step up to his level. I mean, he's done this for years. So I felt like, you know, I was kind of learning his style of writing. I mean, writing a book is a lot different than like a literary analysis in school. So that was helpful to have him there along the way, you know, to kind of help me through the writing process of actually writing a book.
2: Uh, Could you develop a time machine, go back to 2020 and send a note to me about uh, also being early on and not having to hold myself to a higher standard? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes. And and part of it, too, Dave, was we have these conversations as a family pretty regularly. So for us, soundtracks have been part of something we've talked about for years. And, you know, when we were recording the audio book, which was a hilarious experience because there's so many hard words in the book to say, um, I we said we did a bonus kind of Q&A. And I said, "What are some of the soundtracks we say in our family?" And McRae, Ellie's youngest sister, said, "Oh, early is on time. Early is on time is one of our family soundtracks." And then McRae said, "In fact, we were early to this audiobook recording and had to wait in the parking lot." And it, she was, <laughs> it was right. And so, Ellie, what would you say are other soundtracks we say in our family?
3: Um, I would say a big one that I really like is "Everything's always working out for us." It always feels so cheesy when you say it. We're always like, oh, dad, okay. Um, But when it keeps you looking for the good, you know, when you pull up somewhere super crowded and there's a perfect parking spot, you know, right where you need to be, we'll be like, oh, everything's always working out for us. So it seems a little cheesy at times, but that one's a helpful one to keep you looking for the good.
2: You know, it's plus you don't have to credit Tony Robbins when you say, uh, you know, things are happening for you, not to you, but it's that same kind Mm -hmm. of mentality. And if you, again, if you look at life through that lens, you'll see the good, irrespective of the conditions. And I think that's a big Mm -hmm. part of of mindset. So the book's about mindset. Ellie, is mindset a thing that, you know, it sounds like growing up inside an ACUF home was just kind of normal that you guys would be having these conversations. But do you remember when you found yourself? kind of interested in personal development or open to the ideas of mindset as a thing that you should tap into and explore?
3: You know, I really, I'd probably say around middle school, that's typically when people become, you know, teens become more self-aware about what they're thinking. There's a lot of change. So thinking about one we always say is like, nobody is looking at you, which is true to some extent. There are situations where you stand out. But going into middle school, it's so awkward and everyone's always like, what am I going to wear? Are people going to look at me? And just having like that awareness to, you know, think of soundtracks or just repetitive thoughts that really help you through middle school. I think that's really where I kind of stepped into that.
1: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky
2: And I know there's nuance to every single situation and there's, you know, yeah, absolute truisms that are going to extend to everything. And then there's nuance, like I say, in, in in other parts. In the intro, John, you mentioned that it was really important to get this message right. And I'm curious how Ellie and McRae helped you shape the message so that, uh, you know, because of what ends up being generational differences or you talking to a, a younger generation, it didn't come off as, hey, I know better than you listen to me and instead felt like it was a kind of an authentic representation of people going through the things that the reader might themselves be going through.
1: Well, I think, I think there's, it goes everything from word choices. So they'd say no teenager would thinks that way or says that that's not our vernacular. So there's all, all the way from word choices to Ellie and McRae will tell me the truth. Like they both have their mom's gift of being like, hey, here's the truth. So just the other day, we we were in a small, we've been spending some time in a small mountain town, and there was a guy who owns a clothing store here, and he's super cool. He's a clothier. I don't know if you even knew that was a term, but I happen yeah. to know a guy who's a clothier now. And I was like, Oh, we went to a store. I'm gonna hit him up. I'm gonna DM him on Instagram, like tell him what a great store it was. And Ellie stopped in the street and was like the only reason you would DM him via Instagram versus like his phone number or email, which you have on his business card, is so that he sees you're verified and is impressed by you. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, like dang it. And you know what? She was right. I was being insecure and trying to impress this random stranger. So I think you'll see in the book that I was really the editor, but they were a lot along the ways going, Dad, that's not gonna be helpful to our generation. We wouldn't understand that, we wouldn't say that, that's cheesy, everything from you know, a word choice to like this is a true story that'll help somebody dad because and i got to learn like when you write a book with your kids it's like a peek into their life too yeah because i haven't been a teenager in like 20 oh my gosh like 30 years (laughs) yeah i said 20 like (laughs) it's been a while dude so that was helpful that they were willing to speak the truth but I still like it. Cracked me up so much that Ellie called me out the other day, and she was right. I always say like kids have tiny sharp fists. Like they will occasionally be like, "Hey, that shirt doesn't work for you anymore," and you're like, "Oh, like Thank so you. that." So that's what we saw in the book.
2: It's a real time performance review at all times, whether you're asking <laughs> one or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ellie, I'm sure they're, I'm hoping anyway, that someone who's listening in real time might grab their teenager and listen along with them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would imagine that if there is a teenager then that listens, that they would be surprised at you believing that you could write a book or maybe have something of a soundtrack that, oh, I could never write something while I'm this young. And I'm curious what you might say to speak some truth into the person that maybe doesn't think that they can do the kind of thing that you just did at their age.
3: Hmm, let's see. There's, there's a lot of pressure sometimes of starting things. My dad wrote a book called start, but starting things seems really intimidating that sometimes it locks people into not getting anything done. So I think the best thing for someone who's like, Oh, I want to try something new. I want to maybe just do this book. I think, or maybe try like a new sport or something. Is to just, you just got to go for it. Like time is continuous and, Now, there's never a time too late. One of our soundtracks is you never really have to, like, there's more time. One of our soundtracks is like that. So, you know, I think really just go for it. There's no shame in being bad at something new. That's what we say a lot. So I think just dive right
1: into the deep end.
2: What's your What's your quote, John? I love the quote that's uh, like, let me suck long enough to be great, or I No, it never.
1: Uh, be brave yes. enough to be bad at something. <clears throat> yeah, be brave enough <laughs> to be bad at something
2: new. It's an original quote. Mm-hmm. So I, no, I love that. Be brave enough to be bad at something new, yeah. and I part of the message ends up also being I need to hear it as much as anyone else. When you're starting to do something new, there's yeah. a pretty high probability that you're not going to be awesome at the beginning because. You've never done it before. And that shouldn't be a disqualifying factor for you starting. And so.
1: Well, um, and podcasts, these are new for us. These are Mm -hmm. Ellie and I, these are new for us to do together. So like we're going to, I'm sure if we do another book down the road, we'll go remember this first couple of podcasts band Ellie missed band camp. She went to a high school where the, the, the band is a bigger deal than the football team. And okay. she missed band camp and didn't get her all her training and had to jump in. And it was super challenging. And so, yeah, I think, I think adolescence is a lot about that. Cause here's what I'd say, Dave, like if you're a parent or if you're a teenager, we ask kids to be braver than we are. That's something I put in the book. I wrote a section at the back called six things adults never tell you every year, their job changes every year. They get a new boss, a new job. Like we never do that. If you changed your job, 12 years in a row with 12 new bosses and 12 new demand, like you would be having constant panic attacks. But we tell kids like, Hey, by the way, you now play soccer. I'm just run out on that field with those 20 kids you don't know and play a new sport and that guy with the whistle. Good luck. Whereas adults, I asked my wife, Jenny, like, who's going to be at the dinner party? How long are we staying at the dinner party? Do they have a dog that I could pet if I feel awkward? Like, I grill her to go to a dinner party. (laughs) Meanwhile, we tell kids, by the way, you're in sixth grade now. It's going to be really challenging. Good luck. And so I I think that's part of it too is that this book – gives you that perspective. So I think I think what's going to happen is that our goal is that a parent reads the book and goes, oh man, this is going to be really helpful for our kid. And then our, our other goal is that a parent pays a kid to read it. Like we joked about that in the book constantly. Like there should be a $20 bill at the back of this book. Because let's be real clear. Like it's never an easy sell to t- tell a teenage boy, like, hey, I know you love video games, but here's this book. Like you'd be crazy. So we are a hundred percent about, dude, give your like, if I could teach my kid a mindset approach that would change how they looked at college, change how they looked at not being invited to a party, change how they looked at so many things about their lives, I would pay twenty dollars for that. I don't know if there's a parent in the world that'd be like, I don't know, my kid doesn't hate me. That says twenty dollars. That feel I could do a lot with. That's like four Starbucks drinks. That's like one <laughs> gallon of gas. I just don't. I can't do that. So our hope, we because we incentivized Ellie and McCray to read. We made a list of fifteen books and we paid them to read them. And like Ellie ended up getting a better score on the ACT because a lot of it is reading comprehension. So I'm a, as a parent, like I'm, a, I'm all about paying for results you want to see.
2: Yeah, I love that. Hey, I want to come back to what you were saying though, John, because I think there is this super bold claim in the book that a single new soundtrack believed when you're 14 or 18 can change the entire arc of your life. And that feels like a very, very big thing to say. So I'm wondering, like, can you help unpack it and yeah. why... This kind of formative age range ends up being so important for the trajectory of your entire life.
1: Well, so Dave, I'll give you the the reverse example. I'll meet 35-year-olds who are giving new leadership opportunities at their company. And they're pulling back because a teacher, when they were 15, told them, you're not a natural leader. And they believe that at 15. And then they listen to that soundtrack for two decades so, despite all the evidence, despite a boss or a company going, we believe in you, we see something in you, they've been listening to an old soundtrack for 20 years. And it it changes the arc of their life. So imagine you do the reverse and go, what could a positive, true soundtrack about I try challenging things? It could be simple. It can be, you know, I'm brave enough to be bad at something new. Okay, I'm going to go find something new. Or I have, you know, I have a gift worth giving. And so I'm going to learn that. So that's what we mean by one soundtrack. Because we can all, every adult can go, oh yeah, there was this time where this person said this thing and they had authority. So I felt bigger than it was. And I listened to it for a long time and I'm still unpacking that. So we know the reverse works. So of course the positive works. We just, most of the time, there's not classes where we're taught how to think. Like I never yeah. had a class in high school on critical thinking and mindset and all these things that you learn later on in life. So our hope is in the same way that kids learn finances. Now we're like, you and I didn't have a personal finance course. It was just like, Hey, good luck with the rest of your life and try not to go bankrupt. Like we were just expelled into the world. Like, I don't know how credit cards work, but I hope I don't screw it up where now kids have personal finance classes. So what if they were able to have a personal mindset approach? Could that change their life? That's what, that's what that statement's about.
2: I have a lot of belief in self, but I haven't always had a lot of belief in self. And sometimes I needed an assist to rewrite a soundtrack from someone else who believed in me. Mm -hmm. Ellie, I'm going to guess that, man, having your dad in your house, got to help you believe in yourself because he believes so much in Mm -hmm. you. I call it in my world, borrowed belief. But, you know, the importance of having people around you that are also kind of believers in the soundtracks that will help propel you forward. How does that play into everything we're talking about today?
3: Well, one that comes to mind is, I remember freshman year, I was doing something that was different. I was trying to move up chairs in just band class, and which means challenging and trying to move up to a higher place. Competing against guy, other people. Mm-hmm, this guy that was ahead of me was like, Ellie, you're such a tryhard. Like, why are you doing all this? And so I brought that home and he was like, and my parents were like, well, you are a tryhard. So now we've kind of taken that. I could have sat on that and be like, oh, I'm not gonna try. I don't wanna stand out. I don't wanna be seen as someone who is a tryhard. But now I'm like, I am a tryhard. I'm gonna try my best at all of these different things. So for example, I wore a really to a, you know, low-level summer swim team meet, I wore my competition suit, which is, you know, one that's not typically worn out of summer league. And it made me feel fast. It made me feel like a tryhard. But, you know, ultimately, it ended up playing, you know, helping me I
1: love that. Yeah, you ended up winning that meet. Yeah,
3: I won my category.
1: Yeah, she won the mm-hmm. – she got – She won the category. And that was, yeah, that's an example of what we talk about, like flipping something negative into something positive. So a student tried to insult her and say, you're a tryhard. And students do that to each other. Um, but instead we able to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that's a compliment. Yeah. yeah. You're a, we are tryhards. You're like, let's go crush. And so that's a great example, Ellie, of one where it could have been negative. We worked on it as a family to make it positive. And now it's become a running theme, you know, in our mm-hmm. our whole family. Like now I think about it, like, yeah, that's that's right. I don't because again, she could have taken that and said, I'll be smaller than I'm supposed to be, because I don't mm-hmm. want to be embarrassed that I'm really trying. And I think there's a lot of teenagers that get told that by their friends. I mean, I, I, Mm -hmm. I spoke to somebody just the other day who had loved to play the violin, but his, the the boys in his neighborhood made fun of him that he liked the violin and he gave it up. And as an adult, he's writing, I wish I had stuck with the violin, but it wasn't seen as cool by my neighborhood. So I gave it up even though I really enjoyed it. So think about the things as a teenager that you give up because other teens go ugh. Like, why are you into that? And then you right. you put it under your bed, and you forget about it for 20 years, and then you wake up. So I don't want that for any teenager.
2: Oh, gosh. Neither do I. It's so good and so true. You're just like chipping or denying just a tiny bit of yourself to try and fit in, be cool, whatever it might be. And then you wake up one day and don't recognize who the heck you are and wish that you could be back at uh, that person who didn't care about what somebody else might say maybe the power of having a soundtrack that you believe in that it's stronger than the voices of those that would be in opposition of it ellie i know that you are taking a big step this year you are starting college mm-hmm. uh, i want to say the mascot of uh samford so bad and i don't know is it a badger go go badgers What what are the bulldogs
3: the
2: bulldogs let's go bulldogs uh i'm curious What's your approach to mindset as you're thinking of all the kind of change that comes in this new phase of life that's ahead for you?
3: Well, circling back, um, be brave to be bad at something new. I mean, that is just, that's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, I'm going to go out. It's a fresh start. You know, I'm going to try new things. I'm going to try intramurals. I might try a sport I've never done before. I might start going to exercise classes or, you know, even just knocking on my neighbor's door being like, hey, I'm Ellie. Let's get to know each other, even though, you know, those first weeks are weird. You don't have like friends or certain groups. So I'm trying to prepare myself by thinking this is new. Everybody's going to be bad at it. No one's done anything like this before. So, you know, that's kind of how I'm going into this new season.
1: As parents, Dave, the one parents say to each other, this is going to be so hard. It's going to like, there's a couple of things that parents do to each other. Like they go, Oh, the teenage years, man, when they hate you, they don't have to like, but we do self-fulfilling prophecy where they go, Oh, two daughters. Oh, it's going to be miserable. <laughs> like the guy at Staples, when I told him I was, ha- I had daughters is like, good luck. Like you're, I just want to buy a ream of paper. Like I don't. And so what college. For kindergarten and college, people go, it's going to be so hard for you to put that kid on that bus. But Jenny's soundtrack for us is, it's what you want to happen. It's sad if they don't get to go to kindergarten. It's sad if she doesn't get to go to college or launch. And you might go to the military, get a job, whatever. It doesn't have to be college. But that's what's supposed to happen. So yeah. it will be bittersweet because we love having her around. But I'm also not going to lean into like, the mopey counting crows lyrics version of it, which is like, I have to cry for the next six months because my daughter is doing something amazing that I want to happen. So that's that's been kind of Ellie's got her own about, about college, but I think as parents, it's important during pivotal transition moments in your kid's life that you buy into those two and that you lean into the parenting version because otherwise, like it's such a weird thing when you think about like you're weeping as you put your kid on the bus. Like, what does that set him up for? Like, right? I'm, I'm hurting the number one person in my life. My mom, like this thing that I was excited about. I get to play on the playground. I get to like, use scissors. What? And that, like, I look out the window and my mom is weeping. I, I should feel bad about this. I should feel ashamed. I went to kid. My bad <laughs> mom, my bad. Like that's crazy.
2: Yeah. It's so wild. Uh, <laughs> So this is a little off topic, but was there a mechanical dog at your high school graduation or did I dream that?
3: Yes, there was. The um, coding program got this grant and they didn't know how to spend it. So they just bought this mechanical dog. Like it walks around school. Like they walk in between classes, took it to graduation. Yeah.
2: It feels like a reason to buy the book. I don't know why, but <laughs> like if yeah. you are a kind of person that goes to high school that Features a mechanical dog that walks around the stinking campus, feels like you have the credentials to be also an amazing author who can help other people through. I just I want to go back though for a second, Ellie. Like I if I could go back to me stepping into college with a little bit of what you just said, like this appreciation that nobody's nobody's been here, nobody knows how to do this. Like there's a confidence in having that objectivity that will that would have allowed me to walk with my chest out just a little bit or be okay. okay fumbling just a little bit instead of worrying. I mean, I was just worried all the time that I wasn't doing it right, that I hadn't figured it out, that other people understood college in a way that I had not yet understood it. I'm super encouraged about your perspective. (laughs) Goodness, it's such a departure from the kind of feelings I had when I was walking in. I'm sure you're gonna rock it. Mm
3: -hmm. Thank you.
2: Uh, I'm curious uh, for you, John, What do you like? What was your kind of takeaway in the collaboration with daughters? And is this the uh, the the first and last or are there other things that you think you might do with your uh, offspring when it comes to writing books?
1: Dude, we uh, it was awesome. I got to learn so much about them. I joked that they were like hockey goalies and I was trying to shoot dad jokes into the book and they were like, like blocking terrible jokes. Just I don't like that's just not there's. There were some jokes that I wanted to put. Oh, the worst one. And I wish McCray was here because she was the one that said, oh, I was talking about that a dial goes two directions. Like instead of looking for a switch, which everybody looks for a perfect thing that switches off negativity. It's about having a dial. When you get stressed out, you turn the dial down. And I said, no offense to Harry Styles, but this dial goes in two directions or there's more than one direction. And they were like, oh, no. Oh, no, dad. Like they were. Ashamed, yeah. I said, no offense to Harry Styles, (laughs) but there's more than one direction that's what it was. It was terrible, awesome. And and they were, oh my god, I know, I know, dude. So I love the experience. There's gonna be other books, 100. I mean, unless this one just sells four copies and we all look back like, four lives—that's
2: all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Go but
1: on. we're we're already talking about the next one, and then Ellie and I—this is an exciting kind of pre-announcement. We are—we've um, seen the popularity of Colleen Hoover's teen <laughs> lit, like romance novels. Ellie and I are currently working on one, um, and uh, it's called Happy Valley. And the opening line is it shouldn't rain this much in Happy Valley. And it's about um, a girl who falls in love with a boy and her dad doesn't respect that she graduated with an art degree and she's living in a mm-hmm. small town. She's trying to save up enough money to go to Seattle and the boy she marries, what was his name? Ellie? Fisher, I forget his last name. Oh yeah, but her name is Autumn what? Stonewater. Autumn Stonewater. Yeah. <laughs> We've played this. In love. Fisher is like an outdoorsy guy. They call him Fish. Um, he he likes to fish. And also, he's actually a writer, but he doesn't want anybody Secretly. to know. Secretly. But Autumn finds that out, and she submits some of his writing to a publication. He's furious at first, but she draws him out, the artist in him. And oh, you, I'm not even going to tell you the ending because it would ruin it for a lot of people. It's too good. It's you're too laughing good. now when this book comes out, and you're like, hold up a second. Did Ellie write a teen romance novel called Happy Valley? And be like, yeah, because- yeah. That's what we're tryhards. Like we're gonna go into new <laughs> new not? genres.
2: I wake up like everyone else and put my pants on one leg at a time. Yeah, I just exactly. I get books. That's what Dude, we do. We hour.
1: we sketched this whole book out the other day. I'm not some of this is jokey, but you can't a tell lot me. of it is
3: written down, planned. We've got opening, closing lines, we got oh, catchphrases, we damn. got we
1: got it all. What did we name his friend? Oh, yeah. His, um, the sidekick is Rhodes. Yes. Yeah, It's like a funny sidekick, and he's like he's the only friend that would accept that Fish likes to write. But they're gonna mm-hmm. find each other. Like it's it's gonna oh it's gonna be so destined good. to be. It is definitely
2: feels great. Uh, Might be too early. Uh, PG though, yeah. PG thirteen. Oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. Don't. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. No okay. no. We're not. Okay. No. This will be a high value. Um, You'll a lot of people to cheer for in this book.
2: Great. I just okay. want to make sure it could be, uh, you know, like made for TV in Hallmark and not uh, Cinemax After Dark.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a Hallmark. It's a Hallmark <laughs> oh. movie. Hallmark. Right. For sure. yeah. right. We're already saving something for the second part. The second book. Yeah. Autumn's ex-boyfriend comes back from Europe and you're like, "Is mm-hmm. this?" and he's kind of cool. And Fish is like, I don't he's an artist like you. I don't understand. You're like, well, it'll be good.
2: I'm getting a little Gilmore Girls vibe here and I'm here for it. All right.
1: I I think it's going to be fantastic.
2: Let's finish with a question about memories. Uh, Johnny Cuff, one of your favorite memories with Ellie had nothing to do with this book writing process. Tell me one of the things that you uh, look back on her life with either pride or just something that just makes you smile every single time you think about it.
1: Uh, Well, dude, I mean, a recent one, the swim meet. Ellie had worked her entire kind of swim career. There's a big city meet all of Nashville. She's in the you're in the novice alley or open. Yes, there's She's, two categories. There's two categories. Mm-hmm. And she um wanted to she wanted to get high point, which means win the city meet. And I swear to you, when we were driving there, she said when we're driving home, there'll be a trophy on the floorboard at my feet. And Let's dude, go. she won. She like, and I had done the math wrong. So I was like, oh no, she didn't win. I didn't add up the points, right? Cause I'm a writer. When they,
3: when they called second place, he was like, oh no, she didn't get it. I was like, getting ready, put my shoes on, ready what? to go get to go my up up on the place
1: podium. <laughs> and she did. And she won first place. And I was like, what? And Amazing. she was destroying. So this was like, that was like a month ago. That was a really. It was fun to see her shine. It was fun to see her be deliberate. It was fun to see her have, have fun with it and go, I'm ready. I've been prepared. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really, and then, so I'd say that, and then her sense of humor, we always joke that like, one of the worst things you can do to your parents is get a dog freshman year of college. Cause the dog's going to stay home at Christmas. Cause a yeah. do, like if you buy a dog for a dorm room, you're dumb. It's that's like, it's not a soundtrack in our family, but it should be. So Ellie was like, if I get one, I'm just going to come up with Chris and be like, here you go. Here you go. And like, she we did said this. that when
3: in like sixth grade, sixth like, grade. This a I started, don't ago. you get
1: a dog in college in like sixth grade, some of these soundtracks, you got to have a long runway for, or else they're coming home. <laughs> you gotta have Dad, practice. I, I found this dog in a sewer drain. He's got one eye. I adopted him, but our dorm won't let us have dogs. He's now your dog. Like not no dude. That ain't no. happening.
2: The inn is full. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: All right, Ellie, how about you? A memory, uh, a thing that you are proud of of your dad? Just something, I know this is out of character for you to say something nice about the man, but just for <laughs> our listeners' sake, uh, anything great uh, that you can remember about your dad?
3: Hmm, let me think. There's so many funny moments. It's hard to pick out just one. You know, going back to the swim meet, it was really fun to see him. You know, I'm super competitive. I knew deep down, I was like, I'm going to win this. It was fun to see him kind of realize that how competitive I am and that when I have something in my mind, like I'm going to go after that goal. So he was like, dude, like when we were back in the car, he's like, you said you were going to do this. I was like, yeah, I was like, I I did. And I knew I was going to, and my parents were like, Oh, I don't know if you're going to high point. Cause they were worried. I'd be let down. And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna, but deep down I was like, I'm getting number one. I'm, Let's go. I'm swimming my heart out. Yeah.
2: God, you guys, uh, you're great. And I love, like you give hope to humans that are raising humans, that there is the possibility that you can get to this launch window and have the kind of camaraderie and love and care and pride for each other. And uh, I dig it. I'm super, super excited for people to read this stinking book. When does
1: it come out? It comes out September 13th.
2: September 13th. It's called Your New Playlist, The Superpower of Mindset. It's written by John A. Cuff. Well, really, it's written by Ellie A. Cuff and McRae A. Cuff, and John A. Cuff was there doing some light <laughs> light editing. I lent
1: my name. I lent my name. I got it. We got yeah. units to move. We want to do this. Move,
2: ro- to move volume. This yeah. romance
1: yeah. novel doesn't happen if this book doesn't crush. So, like, clearly, Dave, we have a lot riding on this. So, yes, if you have a teenager and you're a parent, and you're like, man, it sure is easy to be a teenager these days. It is not. I hate no. to break it to you. It's not. So no. buy them this book.
2: Uh, John, when are we going to do another uh, John and Dave show? It's
1: I would love to do another one.
2: We easily do- the most requested thing that happens in my life. I mean, easily. Yeah, so- I would.
1: I would love to do another one. I think you've got a pretty busy schedule. It seems like you're.
2: No, I, I'm barely working. So <laughs> oh, like- I'm
1: barely working. That's <laughs> not true at all, Dave. You're barely working is most people's five jobs. Like so, no. let's. That is true. That is a hundred percent true.
2: Not true. So All right, uh, I love you guys. If people are not currently uh, familiar with your work and they want to be able to follow you, I mean, I don't know. Are people following Ellie Acuff? No, she? no, she no. still.
1: Eventually, we'll need to build her a platform once you, once the romance novel once know, the romance makes... novel comes
2: out. Once you um, become Colleen Hoover Junior, then fine. <laughs> but until then, no. Uh, hey, uh, and if
1: if there is a romance novel like publisher that wants to slide in those DMs, I just. <laughs> I'm at John Acuff, J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. Hit him up. Um, hit me up, yeah. Like, right, and if I swear to you, if I see a book come out with a heroine named Autumn Waterstone, I'm, I'm going oh. to-
2: Infringement.
1: <laughs> yeah, infringement, exactly.
2: <laughs> a great trademark attorney, and we're coming home. Yeah. But yeah, uh, if
1: you go to acuff.me, you can, um, the book is listed there. It's available everywhere for pre-sale. depending on when this comes out. It might already be out. Um, it's on Amazon. We read the audio book, so that's super fun. But yeah, I would encourage parents to buy a copy, read it yourself, and then, uh, you know, have your kid read it. Bribe them. Bribe them. <laughs>
2: right. Don't be above bribes. Don't be above bribes. <laughs> Don't be above bribes. It's called a carrot stick. And this is the carrot. Uh, hey, uh, we end our show each week by asking our guests, what single piece of advice, a uh, thought, uh, wish that you might have for them what's the thing that people listening right now need to hear from you the ACUF duo
1: I'll, i'll go first i would say family can be fun like we had this was fun today so i i think that family can be a lot of fun um and i would hope that there's there's parents that get to connect with their teenagers i always say uh if you want a kind 16 year old teach a six year old kindness and give them 10 years to practice so it's never too early to be like hey like we're going to, let's work on this. And that's something like we joke about that, but that it can be really fun to be in a relationship um with a teenager. And as a dad, I would say like, fight the negative, like teens can be awesome. And they're going to do amazing things. Like we're all going to work for their generation. Like, let's go, let's embrace it.
2: You're, you're like a one line machine. I, I would like to get a t-shirt printed immediately about <laughs> six-year-olds being kind and 10 years to grow into it. God, that's good. I love it. All right, Ellie, any uh, final words that our listeners need to hear from you, the next generation of awesome?
3: Um, I would say just go for it. You know, as teenagers, you have so many different opportunities to try so many new things and while you're still under your parents' roof. So I think, you know, as a teenager, there's things I wished I had gotten into. Like, what if I started swimming earlier? Would that have led? to a different college path or something. But I really think just go for it. Like just be yourself and just try stuff that's new.
2: I love it. That's great advice for every single human. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ellie. Grab this book, your new playlist. It's uh, available wherever books are sold. And if you want to hear them, read it to you. They did the audio. Between now and next week, in the words of Ellie Acuff, just go for it. We'll see you next week on the Rise Together Podcast. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you so much.
3: Thanks, Dave. Thank you.
2: Hey, y'all. While I am taking a hiatus from social media, I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular. If you head over to MrDaveHollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals yep i'm going to be sending out regular updates uh stories uh observations hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think uh and i'd love to be able to do that on the reg so if you uh, are so inclined hit mrdavehollis.com drop in your email and buckle on up i love y'all thank you for all the continued support let's go